Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. So today we are discussing, well, the, the title of the message is Salt and Light. Um, hopefully we discuss Salt and Light. But at the very heart of this message is a continuation of what we've already been taught or we've been discussing and having conversations about for a long time. We know we are loved. We know, if you don't know, maybe you're probably just new here, but I don't think anybody for this Lagos know like tribes say God love them. We know we are loved. We know we are loved. See them. Sharing this God of we are loved. Sons of God. Amen. We know we are sons of God. Nobody can remove it from us. Nobody can convince us otherwise. We know we are fiercely loved. God thought and thought and thought like God, the king of all wisdom, looked and said, let there be a chinidu. He looked, let there be an itara. He looked, let there be a lily. Like, do you... Anyway, I don't want to go too far and dig again a hole that we are already, you know, in, deep inside. In fact, the hole doesn't have end. It's the kind of hole that if you throw stone inside, you will not hear sound because it just keeps going. So there's no point coming today to try to dig even further. But even in this place of understanding our belovedness, understanding how much of the treasure we are, understanding of how much importance we hold in the sight of God and how he esteems and honors us because of Jesus Christ. There's a place to also understand what this is for, what this is about. Amen. Because we are not the light of the church. We are the light of the world. So there's no point every Sunday, if all of us gather here and we wear shirts, son of God, or daughter of God, or friend of God, or baby of God, whatever you want to put, you know. What do you say? Move of God. Give me some more. Oh, 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 your white move of God. Your white move of God. It, now, it is important to keep it ever before you. To write it in your heart in, in, in places and ways you can never forget. Because continue, continually, the only thing the enemy can try to take away from your diminish is your sense of identity and belonging. Fight for it. Don't let anybody take it from you. Still, we will not all now sit down here like the 70 or so that sat on the day of Pentecost and just be, you know, moving and childing and sunning and waiting for something to happen. Like we are not the actual ones who are going to have to stand up and move for God or move so that the world would know and see God. Amen. So we are the light of the world. And what is, the, what is light? What does light mean? And anybody just... Anybody want to do? Illumination. Knowledge. Sorry, you guys see. Own it, like own your full chest, say your answer. Don't, don't. Development, okay. A revealer. Sides, since Pastor Fedim. Nobody. But we all kind of get the idea that it's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Light really 
gain, it gets its importance because Jesus used, Jesus spoke many, he told many parables, you know. But then, why is this so important in this context? Something that's so normal. I'm sure when he was even preaching, I'm sure there was light somewhere, like maybe the sun or candlelight or something. Why, why was it so important in this context? It's because we have to understand that we are the only light. You see, Isaiah 60 said, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And hold on, let me see. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn that's it that's why it's important when jesus you know was here he gave so many instances and used so many symbols to explain our importance why we're here what he'd come to do you know to explain the world and just typify so many things but with light we understand that we are in a place where there is darkness, gross darkness. I don't think we appreciate it enough because now electricity everywhere you turn. Some of us lived, live in service estates, you know, you have 24 hours light, or maybe you are a big boy, you can do diesel 24 seven. And I want to be your friend by the way. And you know, you don't, you, it, it, it's almost like eh, lights now, you know, now you're on your phone, you have touch lights. You know, you have, there's just light everywhere you turn. Back then, who can remember when we didn't, there was no gen in Nigeria? Who can remember that there was a time when, like, gens were not always here in Nigeria? Who can remember? Have you ever lived in a place where there's no electricity? Like, there's no connection to any grid? So, candle. A candle is even, at, at some point, you'd be wondering, like, candle stuff is expensive, like, bulb. Like, even, you know, it's like fireplace or maybe gas, some rechargeable lamp, then you type a natural paper, maybe like one week, no light, no, nothing to recharge the lamp with, you know? You'll be looking at the moon. Who can remember? Some people actually don't know how bright the moon is. Do you know? I don't think my kids will ever, maybe. But I don't think they even understand how bright the moon is. Back then, there'd be no lights. And then my parents would now, for some reason, wait till the last minute to spray insecticide in the house. So all of us would now have to go out again. The mosquito will now bite us outside. Before the smell will now go down, you will now come back inside again and sleep. I'm like, my lady, I don't already catch person. What's the point? Do you understand? But then in those nights, especially when there's a full moon, there is nothing hidden, no. The moon is bright. You can, like, you can see ants crawling. You can see insects. You can see animals going about their own day. Like, the moon is... <laughs> I'm trying to explain to you that for different people, when they understand, like, for different generations, when we talk about light, it's understood in the context of their own day. Do you understand? Also, now, everywhere, this light, of God, I had to mentally prep my mind for this light yesterday. Because I remember the last time I couldn't see anything. But then, like, we have so many varying dimensions of light. If you even want to add to this one, you can add, I'll be looking like Snow White. But it's understanding that if you can, if you can even for a second imagine that there was no electricity, imagine that there was no, there were no, maybe no candlesticks even, and then Imagine just the moon at night in the darkness and then clouds just peeling back and revealing the full power, the full strength of the light of the moon. Or if you can imagine, who was ever, who, like I don't know how people do this, but back then when I was in school, I used to love just taking a walk early in the morning and waiting for the sun to rise. 
Have you ever sat at that transition between like deep, deep darkness and just see light come and illuminate the earth? Do you understand that when Christ calls you light, you have to imagine that transition? That there is no other light too. It's you. <laughs> it's you. It's you. That what he's, that he is the light of the world. And he came so that we might be lights also to the world. And he's called us light, he's called us salt. And what business do we have with darkness? When darkness, darkness doesn't have any other, it's just like auto, automatic, it doesn't even fight, you don't see light and that, you know, as light, as light is coming, like it's just like, pack load, pack load, like, do you understand? So it's almost automatic that darkness is only the absence of light. And that we live in a world that is typified as darkness. Sadly, today, and maybe not just today, but then in every age, I guess, there is something that, that seems to contend and position itself as another kind of light, or as an alternative light. People think, oh, there are many lights, oh, there are many ways to, there are many... No, Christ is telling you, own it, body it, you are the only light. And you cannot come and sit here and be shining in each other's eyes. Go and shine in the world. You're the light of the church, you're the light of the world. You're to illuminate. You bring revelation. You bring clarity. You bring insight. But it's not about just going and being able to solve matters or being able to compute difficult situations. It's that you have an infilling from the courts of heaven. That heaven itself is where all light flows from. Is where the river of light itself flows from. And then you are just a recipient who continues to pass the light. It's understanding that on your own, if all by, if you all by yourself decide to look at it, my brother, my sister, you're actually dark maze, you know. But then, when we come into the marvelous light, First Peter two nine says, um, "We are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people to show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness." So please don't get it twisted. You were not born light. <laughs> you were born as a vessel of light. We are all vessels. But vessels can be empty too. Amen. We are all vessels. But vessels can be empty too. But what happened is that Jesus called us out of that darkness into light. The moment we accepted the revelation of who we truly were, who God made us to be. The minute we said, oh, I'm a vessel. I'm actually a vessel. What am I waiting for? Lights now, you know. And then you started to, you started to serve purpose. You were made fit for purpose. It's just that you did not know. So now we are in the marvelous light of Christ. First we start, okay, yes, it's up there. We're in the marvelous light. But then Jesus has said that <laughs> you are not just in that light because in that light, it's in that place of, the light, of being in the light, being illuminated by God, where you receive from him that you are able to give. It's from that overflow you're able to give. It's not something you came with. Which is why today we're all in trouble because people are saying things like the universe. <clears throat> I'm feeling, you know, just universe vibes. And, you know, I, I believe the universe will just give me back what I give to it. <laughs> or, <clears throat> these are all attempts. This is us just taking, taking counsel with our feelings. Taking counsels with our musings. Taking counsels with our imaginations. All these things are vain. You were created a vessel. The vessels can be empty. 
you are no less loved. You are no less fit for purpose. But then if you deny the light that is Christ, in the beginning was, no, okay, in the beginning was, and, 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 <laughs> keep moving media, keep going, keep going, go back, four, in him was, and the life was, that is your light. The life of God in you is the light. You don't automatically, you're not automatically born with light unless we get into the place where we decide to exchange identity. We are in communion with Christ. We are in the place where he's shedding away the old man, the old self, everything that is not as, everything that is not part of what he originally intended for us. Everything that makes you feel ashamed, guilty, broken, weighed down by your past, your mistakes, everything that makes you feel like you're not sufficient, you're not enough, until he breaks that off you and gives you his new life. You know, you're still playing, you're still playing at a loss. You're a vessel, you're fit for purpose, but until you accept that in him was life and the life was the light of men, unequivocally, if you're still doing half and half, you, you know, here and there, you can't really take in the fullness, the power of the light and the life of God in you. Next verse. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There's just that one light he speaks of. We are that one light. And darkness cannot, this, this, this transition says comprehend, but other transitions say cannot overtake it. Cannot overtake it. This light cannot be undone. This light cannot be overcome. This light is the true power. Amen. So that being said, let's move to salt. Salt is, I don't want to dwell too long on it because I feel like we've heard this message of salt and light so much that it's almost like at this point, it's only unless I want to start comparing Maggie for you people, whether it's Noah or Benny, that I can do any further exposition on it. But, oh, thank you. Well, Matthew 5 says, you are the salt of the earth. Can I have another version? Sorry, because thenceforth, some people might not, thenceforth, I don't know if they understand this, please, another version. <laughs> Uh, John is there. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt lose its, loses its flavor, savor, come, media, help me. Which one is wherewith? Help me. 2022. We are in 2022. Help me. Another translation. NIV? No. NLT? message it was like this is only so we have okay <laughs> we're back at KJV but you are the salt of the earth I'll try to translate but if the salt has lost its flavor its taste how shall it be salted <laughs> it is then <laughs> good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden and to be stepped on by men I tried I tried clap for me guys my school face is working but basically, here he said, you are the salt of the earth, true. But if salt now doesn't have taste, Job 6, 6, Job was crying, lamenting, you know, and said that how can somebody eat the white of egg without salt? That is, uh, there's no taste, there's no, you know, that's not really food. 
There's no taste. So what is the point? Yeah, thank you. Say, so can that which is on say be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? Is this the salt that brings taste that you can actually say, if they blindfolded you and put an egg white in your mouth, you might know, mm, it's doing blah, 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 maybe it's egg. <laughs> maybe it's egg. Um, but if they added a pinch of salt in it, you say, definitely not. This is egg. Right? The taste just comes out. And with many other things, the real taste, the real identity is revealed. If your eyes are closed, if all you had to go by with your senses was just your mouth, if all you could feel through with was your mouth, it's such as a saving grace, so. Because they will give you stew, you know, maybe, you know, okay, pepe, or they will give you rice. You will think you are eating bread, you are eating yam, you will think you are eating rice, you are eating yaba. Well, okay, not yaba. But <laughs> with most things, basically, salt is what shows and reveals the flavor. It identifies if all you had to do, go by was, the, was your sense of taste. That is why salt, you know, would be so important. As was saying to us, that the world... And imagine the world was a dish. And it's all like, well, we're really in darkness because we self, we don't know why we did here. So every man has just gone his own way. You know, maybe it's like this, maybe it's like that. I feel I'm, it's a lie. I'm coming for you. But, <laughs> you know, maybe it's just, you know, maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that, maybe I'm that, maybe I'm that. But then with, with the salting, there's understanding, there's a revelation of the actual identity of a thing of the purpose of a thing of do you understand so you do that for the world can you believe it no can you really believe it can you believe it? that you do that for the world that because you're here the world understands why it was formed the world understands why we are here nations you know and tribes and cultures and peoples you understand because there is one the flavor that's it's that is not lost it's given by god it's understood so here jesus is is for me is saying is talking about a relationship one just like light Jesus is the light who came into the world and then we became light and then we are to illuminate and give light to the world just like salt as well he provided the taste we are salt for the world who has no taste so there's one understanding that it is in intimacy it's in communion it is in that exchange of identity with God that we can be the other that we can be these two things salt and light it's not automatic so I'm not going to stand here and say, be salt in the name of Jesus. Be light in the name of Jesus. Because if you've not done, if you've not put, <laughs> what's the word? If your understanding hasn't shifted to the point where you understand that of yourself, you have no light. Of ourselves, we have no taste too. We are just in the darkness. It is him who provides and gives to, gives to us. And then we stand in authority to do these things. Amen. Amen. Okay. So another thing that another thing that light is is wisdom is wisdom Ecclesiastes says wisdom is better than weapons of war Isaiah 2 4 says they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations will no longer take up the sword against nation or train anymore for war 
Now, this is not really about whether we fight, we no longer fight or we fight, but it's about how with the wisdom of God, we are able to know per season, do I take who I am, what I have, and turn it into a plowshare? A plowshare is like a, I guess like a modern day tractor. Something basically that you use to till the ground so that you can plant seed. And then, um, okay. And the pruning hooks are for harvesting. So we know that the work we are called to do is to occupy, right? Occupy, I think I skipped a verse. Let me, let's go to that verse. Hold on. So, let's see. Ooh, I do not have the chapter reference. But he said basically, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was in Jerusalem, he was close to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They thought this is automatic. And he called his, then verse 13 says, he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. And so going back to the other verse is understanding that in a season where God is saying, for instance, you know, no longer are you going to train for war. No longer are you going to carry sword. You're going to beat your swords into plowshares. You're going to beat them into pruning hooks. He's talking about there is a war that's been won. Amen. There's a war that's been won for you. We live in a victory already. We live in the victory of Jesus Christ. Dominion, honor. We are set in heavenly places with him. And so we are like Christ. But then the work of occupying is the work of extending the kingdom. When you sow and you reap, it's increasing and enlarging your, your, your resource, your storehouse. It's when you reap, when you sow, you become wealthier, you become richer, you take up more space, you take up more land, you have more influence, amen? And so when he talks about occupy till I come, he's saying, with what I've given, with what I've ceded to you, invest as if you want to increase now I can't remember who was praying I think it was you earlier but see God is not in God is not confused God isn't sitting and saying this is holy this is secular I want you know I'm just I'm on this side for God the supernatural is only one sorry the, God is for God everything is natural God is as present in this room as he is in heaven do we know that he fills this room like in the same way that so he's not um, he's not like I'm in heaven and oh let them just do their thing I don't I don't know if like I don't know if they're clean today I don't know if the place is pure it's not holy ground I don't know you know this is all natural to him whether it's heaven whether it's earth whether it's the borders and boundaries of the universe it's all natural to him he made them he lives in and outside of them we are the ones who have to contemplate supernatural oh wonderful and then natural but God is saying I need you to occupy so that we close the divide I need you to occupy so that we close the divide heaven has now become natural to you amen you are now seated with Christ in heavenly places above all powers principalities dominions they all know they all bow they all know they all bow but you see, in there's, I don't think there's any part of the world or universe, whether it's spiritual or natural, that is not claimed by a kind of dominion. Whether it's us or not. They all bow to God. Don't get me wrong. It's like, 
maybe like colonial times and uh, or let me let me use the common I guess the Commonwealth and colonial times. So the Commonwealth or co Commonwealth is basically a group of countries that were once colonies of the crown. You know, now they have their, their own, they are sovereign, you know, they are self-determining and all that, but then they just, they call themselves someone with sort of affiliates and have economic uh, influence and all that. But then really, before they decided to be um, sovereign and self-determining and then, you know, be independent, basically, we were in Nigeria, but we were, we were an extension of the crown. We were an extension of the crown. So in this, but then it doesn't mean that even now that we have an independence, it doesn't mean we don't honor the crown. It doesn't mean we've cut off all ties with the crown. Do you understand? Um, in the same way, there are many, there are many dominions, natural and unnatural, and realms where there are principalities, rulers, uh, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, high places, people high. <laughs> so these things all know who's in charge just as we know who's in charge. God is not fighting them. He doesn't, because they, know, they don't even, you know, when Jesus, with the, with the man who was, um, the man who was possessed by the demons, I think when they saw him, they said, ah, it's over. That please, just allow us go there. Don't, don't be angry that we are in this, like we'll go, we'll go. They know, they know. But we don't know. We don't know. You can be, I'm sure some of us, we can be in rooms where the people are actually possessed with several demons. I don't know. They are doing their thing. They are, you know, they are spreading, enlarging. They are occupying to the day. <laughs> we are not. We're just here, you know, shining lights in each other's eyes and wearing shorts. But then I'm not asking that you now start chasing everybody with holy water and oil and saying, you know, be out, 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 out. But then expanding our understanding of why we are here. Jesus showed us when you heal a person, when you, when you speak the word of God and there's redemption and there's salvation and there's light and there's restoration, you are doing the work. You, that is the entire point. You are doing the work. I love Isaiah because if you read the whole time, the whole time, and it must, it must have been slightly annoying or maybe, I don't know. But then to just keep seeing, you know, in visions and in dreams, amazing things. You're seeing the redemption of God's people again. You're seeing them in a place where shackles or what they wear or where they stand or where they live no longer determines whether they are free or they are sons of God or if they can enjoy the promises promised to them. He saw these things, distant times. I can imagine Daniel too, seeing years and thousands and thousands of years to come and seeing God's people again and seeing kingdoms become kingdoms of God, not of men. And not being part of it. I mean, you're happy in the in the moment of you know revelation, but then you come and say, "Now, nah, wow, now yeah, we see those. Yes, is the core person. Oh, yeah, let's go." And you're going to eat fruit again that night. You know that you can't you can't eat meat at the table, you know. But they they saw now. They saw now. But then, I don't know how they would feel if they saw us just sitting down with all that we have, and we're not occupying. Let me tell you about a dream I once had. And um, if you've been traveling long enough, you probably have heard this dream before, just indulging me. But it's so important. And yesterday I thought about sticking and I started screaming because I realized it feels like an unfolding. It feels like it keeps unfolding. Like the moment I got it, I couldn't fully grasp it. I tried to interpret it. I tried to understand. I tried to you open it for all it was worth. But it feels like it keeps unraveling as my, as my, what's the word? 
I guess as I am illuminated more by God, you know. But in this dream, we were all um, we were all praying. We we're praying for a mission trip. And imagine we're all here and well, you know, in the circle holding hands and just praying. We're praying before we go. You know, of course, you pray things like, "Oh God, you know, the souls are, you know, um, are going to receive the word with ready hearts in the name of Jesus." Da, 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 you know, you're praying, and we, we had finished praying, and just as we just said in Jesus' name, Amen. Someone came in and said, "Oh, that place you're going to." For context, we in the dream we all knew that this place was supposed to be like, you know, virgin land. I don't know how many of you, you know, did NYSC and really like did NYSC, not in Lagos, but where you went <laughs> and you're part of fellowship, you went to villages that, you know, rural rugged, that's the, yes, that was what they used to call it, rural rugged. So you don't know, maybe you worked in NYSC, but um, rural rugged, you're going where you are, you are going with the understanding or assumption that these people, they've never, they never heard of Jesus. Who's that? They never heard of Bible. You're going to like, when I say break, breaking ground, <sighs> breaking ground, all they've known is, I don't know, maybe I'm Adi Oha or Shango, I don't know, but like, you now want to call a God, said, okay, does he have a statue? Like, okay, how do we know what he looks like? What does he do? Who has he done something for? Like, I don't even want to know how these people, honestly, we have to give, we have to give honor, honestly to the fathers who came to Nigeria and who did the work of expanding territory for the kingdom and who really, you know, pushed the frontiers of the gospel so that all of us could sit here today from different tribes and tongues and ethnicities and regions. Honestly, they are blessed forever. Their memories are blessed. But if you can imagine what it is to go to a place where they've heard of Jesus before and you want to start, like, it's like breaking very dry ground very your heart has to be sure and be sure and be sure that <laughs> god sent me here because there are people who are missionaries who have died in the field of mission i never saw that never saw this day or never saw the day where people would actually give their lives there's some movies i can't remember this this one about i think it was in it was in asia and they were monks and then they had to apost or something i can't remember the name and let me not leave my dream <laughs> but basically in the dream this was the understanding. This is why we're praying so hard that, okay, we're going, knowing that nothing. And then someone came inside immediately to the circle and said, oh, guys, we just got word. There's already a, a group of missionaries there that had gone there already ahead of us. Hey, we broke into rejoicing. Oh, praise the Lord. Lord has done it. Because we're thinking, <laughs> everywhere does soft. Our work is easier, right? You're going, so you're, you're literally, you're going to, so, but you're also going to harvest. You're, you're going, you're riding on the harvest of those people that did the first work. So we thought, oh, this makes it all the more, you know, this makes it easier. Brothers and sisters, that's how we entered motor and started going. And then, we're just looking at how terrible, for lack of a better word, this place looked. Now, it wasn't because it was rural and rugged. It wasn't because it was a rural, rural area or because they didn't know any development or have electricity or any of those things. In the dream as well, I can't explain it, but then in the dream as well, it was in, my, in our heart or in my heart in the dream, there was an understanding of what was happening around. I can't explain it. That the place wasn't desolate because the people didn't have light or the government was bad or electricity or any of those things. It was desolate because, <sighs> it was desolate because there was no God in that place. I don't know how to explain it. In my heart, I knew, God was telling me in the dream, that if truly I was here, there'd be greenery. 
the land would be green, the land would be rich, fruitful, flush, that there be a physical manifestation that aligns with the presence of God in that place. This is, this is a dream, this is not, you can't see this naturally most of the time, you know. But in the dream I understood that that was what was happening. Who are seeing the book of Eli, the movie, the book of Eli? Okay, did you get the, did you get, did you get the movie? Did you understand it? You did, okay. But in the, in the movie, it was kind of like that. So this post-apocalypse, like post-apocalypse. Have you seen all the apocalypse where we were, like Mad Max and Co, where everything is just, before you see water, you would dig like, everybody's fighting for water as if it's gold, you know, that kind of, that kind of environment. When we got there, we're looking like, is this where, ah, the icing on the cake. So when the person came in to tell us again, to tell us that, oh, there's already a mission, um, a mission group there. The, I said, what's their name? They said, oh, the Jesus Christ Commission. The name of the mission group that supposedly had gone and done the breaking, their name was the Jesus Christ Commission. So we thought, wow. God is so good. We thank you, Lord, for the Jesus Christ Commission. Oh, God, just bless the work of their hands, Lord. Da, 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 da. <clears throat> we got there, oh, my brothers and my sisters. We did not see Jesus, topics of commission in the atmosphere. It wasn't about seeing the people. It wasn't about seeing the missionaries. It was, on, it was just an understanding. Jesus was in the dream explaining that this is to show you that I'm not here. <laughs> the problem is people have come here in my name, but I didn't come with them. They've come in my name, but I, didn't, I wasn't here. They've thought of somebody who is Jesus and who had commissioned them to come, but they did not teach of me. So I was still looking like, waiting they saw what's happening, you know. Uh, I saw a woman carrying a baby on her hip, looking very, like she was wearing like rags, basically. You know, and the child looked so sickly, like all these children you see in, um, like war documentaries. You know, and the child looked so, I'm like, sorry, ma, please, good afternoon. We're looking for the Jesus Christ Commission. Because for me, I'm like, okay, let's just find them. Let's know what happened, maybe, you know. And she said, oh, those people. That uh, they used to teach that Jesus is Jesus is that, but um, I can't remember the exact word she used. But then, what she was saying was that those people that teach that oh Jesus is, he's not all that, he's not that great, he's not good. Uh, basically, they had <laughs> they had dug a hole. They had painted Jesus as a wicked taskmaster. They had painted him as undesirable. They had painted him as someone who, I, ha, I don't even have the words, honestly. I can, I can only, I'm trying to ha, find the words for the feeling. I still feel as I stand here exactly how I felt in that dream. And then immediately I was like, eh, no, 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 no. I was holding myself, like, no, no, let me show you. This is, this is the Bible. This is Jesus here. Read about what he did. This is what he said. No, 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 he's this, he's this. He loves you. No, he loves the world. He wants to do this. He wants to make this. Immediately I had to start, like, I don't even have time to say, let me carry bag and put down, you know, find me. Immediately we had to start, no, no, we had to start spreading the word. We had to start teaching. We had to start undoing. We had to start undoing the lies. It was 12. We had to start undoing the lies and all these things that they had, they had planted that, that perpetuated the desolation the people were feeling. Now, for a long time, I thought that, oh, this must be, you know, when Jesus said, you know, that um, 
the enemy comes and that is as sheep, uh, as a, a wolf in sheep clothing. I said, ha, the enemy has done this. Oh, the enemy has done it. Guys, guess what? We are our own village people. Though. We are our own village people. Because what if the Jesus Christ Commission actually were people who thought that they who thought that who believed in the God that they preached, but that God was not God, Jehovah. That they preached to Jesus, but that wasn't Jesus, my Lord and Savior, with whom I'm seated, who has given all blessings, heavenly blessings, earthly blessings to me. What if these people actually came with the best intentions, good hearts, zeal, energy to break the ground and do the work, but then they ended up making it harder. They put concrete on top. And it felt in the dream, in, I, I was, as I was preaching and screaming, it felt like I was exerting myself so much to explain or re-explain and reintroduce Jesus. Many times we have the best intentions, but you can only give what you have. You can only give what you have. For many years we've been, we've been taught so much, so many doctrines about God, so many things about Jesus that he did not, that he's, that he's not, that he's not. And in the spirit realm, we think that, oh, we, we say things like, oh, Christianity is like the dominant religion in the world, you know, every five minutes you go to, in this context or in this country, you see a church, or you this and that, this and that. Nigeria is the most religious nation or populous nation, Christianity, da, da, da. Guess what? Not really. Because if we were truly occupying, if the true sons of God, blood bought, who know who they are, who understand their identity, who understand their positioning, who understand that what is in heaven and on earth is all natural now to them, we would not have the desolation we have today. Desolation is not just broken roads, it's mental desolation. There are many people who have no hope who cannot understand, they, wherever they are, whether it's Nigeria, whether it's Canada, some people are just nomads because they feel like, ah, Ontario or not, you know, you know, when I go there, the light will, sh will surely spring forth. If the light is not in you, you it will not be there. The kingdom of God must first come in you before it can come out of you. The kingdom of God isn't like, a, it's not breeze, it's not like atmosphere, it's, it's not, it's in you. It is you who embodies it. It is you who by your everyday living, you're eating, you're drinking, you're waking, you live out the kingdom. You bring out the standards of God and people understand what they are to do. People are able to then see what our life produces. That because you are patient, you take the fruit of the spirit and then you let them, you let the spirit of God press on you until the fruits come out and people can see, ah, this is the end of that matter. And see also, like God always knew, it is good. And then they are able to align. They are able to believe too. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be tilted above all the other mountains, and men shall be drawn, shall, I think Jesus says, shall flow to it like a stream. It's a sure thing. Only question, I guess, is are you going to be part of the sure thing, or are you going to be part of Jesus Christ's commission? <laughs> Because, you know, because we can, ha we, can, we can have all the names. We can have all the words. We can do what we want. We can have marriages that are done in the biggest cathedrals and churches. You can do covenants of wine, corn, blood, salt, do candle mixing, jump the broom, everything. Like, do all the rituals and traditions. But if both of you, as individuals, are not full of the person of Christ, it's a matter of time. Unless you're both able to go back and renew your minds daily, 
in humility. A scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. I wish I had a better translation, but grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in, a, as a, a, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let me explain. Jesus was fully God, is fully God. But for purpose, for a time, he humbled himself for the revelation, for the, for the attainment of God's good, for the continuation of God's, of that it is good that God spoke. So that once again, God, we could look at the world and say, yes, it's good. God, he's finished the work, he's given us the work to do, and then we do work, and then we can also look at that and say, it is good. People can also look at the work and say, it's good. We should be able to do the same if we are truly like God when we do a thing and we stand back. We're not just saying it's good because, I mean, if this thing was broken now like this, or every five minutes was falling, I'll not say, good, good. You know, just because I want it to feel good or trying to validate that I put, the effort I put inside. No, if it's not good, it's not good. It's just not. But that we do a thing by the wisdom of God and I'm not saying do a thing like fabricate a thing, but wherever you've been graced, wherever you know it, you have ease to be fruitful. You do things and with the fullness of the mind of God in you, with the wisdom of God, you look at that thing with the perspective of heaven and you can also say, you can join in one accord with heaven and say, that is good. No matter what any other person says, because they are darkness. No matter what any other person says, you know that what I've done is good. Are we like are we in alignment? Yes. Yeah, so oh, that's fine. Well, next, you know, you're not you're not consulting with the darkness to know whether it's good or not. You flow from heaven. The spirit in you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You are a restorer. You are a repairer of the broken places and the ruins. That's who you are. Amen. But then it starts because it starts where Jesus humbled, got to the point where he said, God, uh, I'm God, but right now I'm a man too. And there's a tension because this flesh is at war with the desires of the spirit. Who knows that? We, that that's, this flesh is, is in constant battle with the spirit. So forget the enemy outside. You have to conquer the enemy within first. This, this is part of enemies. Village people sometimes are part of them. You know, whether it's the wrong believing about yourself, your potential in God, whether like Esau, you despise the promise. You say, hey, I'm already firstborn now. Yes, I'm already seated. I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm this. You know, and then right on your, in, your, in your own dominion, in your own table, all sorts are happening. People are being cheated. People are being killed. People are being exploited and taken advantage of. You have, you have no real dominion there then. You're just part of them. You're just, coming, you're just moving with the tide. God is, forget, God did not send us to do an easy work. But we have the power, we have the grace to do it. Can you drive a stake in the ground and say this far and no more because I'm here? The kingdom of God has arrived. On the entire place you can announce and say to yourself, the kingdom of God is here. The dominion of God is here because I am here. That is the work. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy because it's not easy if you try to do it in the flesh. 
it is easy because it's <laughs> like it's not by power, it's not by might, by the spirit. The spirit doesn't, it's not, he doesn't. <laughs> hey. <laughs> See that scripture about wisdom is is better than weapons of war. I want you to understand. It's not wisdom like the wisdom you glean in books. It's the wisdom of God. You are, you are, we are looking at climate change. We are trying to... And right, be, right inside of you, you have the God who laid the foundations of the earth. The God who made the heavens and the earth. Who even separated them? Who called there and said, you come. You be the lesser light. You be the greater light. Who said vegetation? Who said water? Who said animals? Who said fishes? Everything that swims. Birds of the air. I mean... <laughs> that is what I see when I hear wisdom is better than weapons of war. We can prepare all we want. We can go to school for donkey years. And I, I praise God for that because we're, we're not despising education. All that is important. But there are many people that we can't explain the source of their wisdom on certain issues. There are some people that are like, how did he know to try this? Or how did she know to try that? When I see inventions, I'm always razzled. I'm like, God, oh, well, no, me, if I be your picking, no, like, give me small. But then, it's when you, when I see someone who's invented something that solved a big problem, I understand, ah, I just, I don't know how to explain it, but I just see a godness about them. Do you understand? No, so nobody else saw this thing since, only you, wow. And then you had strength to put, like, nobody believed you. You went ahead and you jumped off a cliff to show that you could fly or that planes could be a possibility or that you could like i'm i'm just really astounded but that is the godness of the person how much more we that have not just the semblance we're not just vessels who are shaped like god we are shaped we are filled with the fullness of god amen okay i know i have to round up now because some people are their eyelids have done the most their eyelids have tried. Glory to God. Happy for you. So don't be like, I was talking about Esau and not despising the promise. You have the semblance of position. You have not even semblance. You're the firstborn, you know. It automatically, a birthright flows from the first. But then he said, bitch rights. What do you use it to do? My daddy is rich. I'm going to call it real money and real cow and real goods and real sheep. I already have wife, I already have picking. What's that? Please give me food before I pass out. You know, I bet I can't. In that moment, his flesh, his flesh won. In that moment, he didn't know he had given dominion to his flesh. Jacob saw Pochintra and said, oh, take porridge, I beg me, I have something else. And he started to contend and war with it. And what we have received is the salvation. We've received salvation. Yes. Now, the world experiencing salvation is depending on, depending on us outworking the salvation. It starts by not despising the promise, by truly understanding that what I'm here to do is so important. All of creation is standing and waiting for me to manifest. There is something, I may not see it fully, and I'm trying, I need you guys to understand that you don't have to see the totality with God when he gives you an instruction to obey. If God tells you, oh, I think you're wonderful and I've called you, Idara, to be the queen of... What's your village? Oh, your village is up. Wow. 
Okay, of Ikot Ebene. I've called you to intercede for them. I've called you to birth for me in prayer. I've called you to displace false identities, false notions of who I am in the minds of people. I've called you to replenish the wastelands, the mental desolations of the people there so that they may know the one true God and we may see a flourishing in the land. I've called you to do that. Don't say, hey, thank you, God. And then you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't, you have no plan for increase. You have no plan for the outworking of that seed he's given in you. You see, Jacob knew that in, in taking the promise, even if it was just a verbal promise, you have my birthright, because there's no symbol of birthright. There's no, it's not like something you put in your pocket and you give to somebody. It's an understanding. But I knew that uh, if somebody, he gives me this, I'm gonna fight war with it. As in, it's enough for me, you. He took it. He deceived his father, dressed like his brother, and went and collected it. He collected like the bless, the actual verbal blessing. I mean, it's a shall, God, because when you think about what Abraham had to do to get to the place where he was in covenant with God, he left his father, he left his mother, he went to a land that he did not know. He changed his name. His wife changed his name. They waited. God gave them promise. They saw angels. They waited twenty years to see Pekin. They fought war. They did this. You know, you know, until it was spoken of him that Abraham was a king. Kings said, Abraham is a king. Did you ever see coronation? Did you ever hear coronation in that? I mean, for people to just look and just say, hey, it is good. Like people to know that I've seen the outworking of a promise in this person's life. You are a king. You have one child, but then your children, they cannot count them. They're like sand. I mean, and then that is your grandfather. <sighs> Man. And then you now just you do anyhow with promise i mean abraham was the warrior of promise dry like dry stomach dry uterus they warred to see a promise birthed in the physical and then grandson just did it anyhow jacob on the other hand in the same room with under the same well, probably well within the same household heard the same stories and considered god differently considered the promise differently i mean even if he wasn't he wasn't an upright man he did not despise the promise. He did not despise the word of God. He knew the power of what he carried. I need you all to understand that even more than they had, we have. So much more is spoken about you in heavenly places. I mean, look at Job. And God said, have you considered my servant? Servant. Servant. When God speaks about you, what do you think he says? My son. Who does he even want to tell? I mean, like, Revelations, Revelations. Hold on. Sorry, let me find it. Revelations 12, 10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. There's nobody even trying to test you or to you know, trying to confuse anybody or trying to accuse you or poke holes, nothing, you're blameless. He sees Christ. He sees the finished works when you stand there. But do you see it? Can your eyes be opened today so that you see what heaven says about you, what heaven believes about you, that you are the hope of this earth becoming one with heaven? That the heavens are open just as the veil was torn when Jesus said it is finished. The heavens opened over the land, opened over the earth. 
and it was time for us to see the reality of that marriage. Are we going to be part of repairing the desolation, the broken places, the ruins? Are we going to take the graces on our lives, the places where we have ease to be fruitful? Are we going to take the prophecies, the promises that have been given and spoken about us? Are we going to war with them? Amen. See, it's just like Esther and Haman. <laughs> There's no middle ground with salt and light. There's no middle ground. There's no almost salt. You have flavor or you don't have flavor. You're light or you're not. There's no middle ground. Now, see, I'm, I'm, I'm an irrational, incredible optimist. So imagine if, imagine if Haman was actually a good man before, before, wait. Like imagine if actually he wasn't wicked. He didn't have, he wasn't like, well, I don't want to say Hitler, but then I, I believe nobody's born wicked. Nobody's born bad, right? We are shaped. So imagine he wasn't, he wasn't wicked, he wasn't bad, but because he set out to attain a position and make a name for himself, to have glory for himself by his association with the king of the land, that he was so proud of his accomplishments, achievements, and maybe they were hard won. He worked hard to get to that position. Do you understand? But because Mordecai did not honor him, did not see what, did not act, did not, you know, didn't just comply with what he believed about himself. A seed of bitterness was planted, of wickedness was planted. He said, you plus you, your mother, your father, your children, your cousin, everybody dies like you, everybody that's from your nation, all of you, you die next week. You know, but because of that anger in him, that, that thing he had wanted to build had been threatened because somebody refused to fan his ego. Now, that is darkness. There's no middle ground. Mordecai was probably like Esther one day, grateful for the position to be so close to the king, to make, you know, in, to make influential decisions and give advice that would, that would touch the entire nation, the span of his dominion. And that was one of the biggest kingdoms, I think, ever till date, till in history. But then Esther was in that place where she was grateful and thankful for all that. But when the call came that your people, you know, it's time, people are going to die, pogrom, you can't just keep waiting, you know, you can't just say, I'm here. She had to change, you know, she had to change position and realize that if I'm here, I'm taking space, I'm taking dominion, I'm not here for me. If anything, I'm never here for me. I'm here for the cause of the kingdom. Now, interesting enough, in Esther, in the book of Esther, God's name was never mentioned. His name was never mentioned. But they fasted, they prayed. So even, in, even if you teach children in secular schools about Esther and you don't want to mention God, you don't teach it like you're teaching Christian curriculum, you understand that you do not exist for yourself. There's more than you attaining the height of your career or attaining, making all the money or being the most popular or the best. There is so much more. That is just a seed for what God is calling us to do. And there's no middle ground. You're either like Esther or you're like Haman. It's the minute, the minute of, the moment of crisis, the moment where there is a need to then show forth who you really are inside, that we then see, are you darkness or are you light? It's easy to be Haman, guys. 
it's very easy to be Heyman. Because for years, you build, you go to school and upon school, you go you know, from job to job and you're building experiences, you're building a career. And then it's easy to say, I did all this. I'm proud of myself. You should be proud of me too. You know, you should honor me. You guys don't have honor, you don't have respect. You know, you don't, <laughs> my point is you can't, you can't get to the point where you don't know what you, you've built, you've built all you've built for yourself, not for God. And the minute it's threatened, you don't know that you've already given dominion to your flesh. Your flesh now says, ah, here, we shall hang you. Literally, you, by yourself, you hang yourself, like he man did. He built a gallow, and he ended up on that gallow. There's no middle ground. Your flesh wins. It might be gratifying for now, but then eventually, you see how it ends. We have to learn to subdue. We have to learn to subdue ourselves, to fight the war within so that the war without can be won. Imagine if Daniel, in, with all his proximity and with all his, he served four kings in his lifetime. Imagine if all Daniel did was, <laughs> you know, just be grateful for the privilege of serving kings. I mean, people were in captivity. So he was like his senior slave so to speak. I'm just grateful for cap I'm grateful that I, I'm in captivity, but I'm, I'm in the world, but not in the world. You know, I'm in the world, but not of the world. I'm in the, I'm just being happy for his, you know, his small. <laughs> Imagine, like, I remember so, a, a past president and a friend of ours um, had the opportunity to serve the president and his testimony and I'm happy. I'm happy for him. He deserved it. He worked for it in terms of the, you know, the sewing, um, reaping the sewing and, sorry, paying his dues. Thank you. If I say sewing, but in paying his dues, he did. He deserved it. And he 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 believes in God. So he was a friend. But then he's he's he was always bewildered. Like wow, just look at what God has done for me. You know that now I'm tying. I'm 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 I'm. I'm What's the word? I'm tying the bow tie for the president of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. <laughs> this is a president who at the time, I'm sure people would have said, uh, if you have access to his neck, I have other things I can imagine, you know, you could do. <laughs> Not bad things, guys. I mean, like, you could talk to him. Like, he knows your li his life might be in your hands any given day. You could just talk to him on one or two issues. You know, I know you're, like, I, I believe that you could have more influence than just being grateful to tie his necktie. Imagine if Daniel was just grateful. Well, you know, we get to eat at the king's table. Even if all your own, you're eating is just fruits and vegetables. You know, whatever. But look at Daniel. Four kings. Hey, go. So cool, I can't wait to meet. Same Daniel that entered Lion's Den, guys. One day, you're standing before the king. You're talking like he's your guy. Next thing, you are with lions. And full intent, they, like they put you there, full intent that we just want to come and pack bones and your clothes when we come back in three days. And you're sitting there. And angels are holding them guard. Like you, you can't be drunk with your position or your achievements or what you're able to do in the flesh. It's good. I mean, I mean, take your, you know, take your flowers and all that. But then that's all enough. That's a seed. That's not the harvest. That's a seed. Are you expanding the kingdom? Are you are you influencing four kings? He learned four languages or more, I believe, so that he could serve in that time. That was someone who was, who was mindful of occupying. 
he understood I well he wasn't even a son guys hey god this is what's telling me the most that I have to use these old examples who consider themselves friends or slaves you know we are sons of God you don't even have choice you don't understand it's your inheritance it's your inheritance are we going to be like Daniel? Who was? Are we going to be like Daniel? Are we going to be like him? Hey, I was just constantly thinking, you know, I'm just going to please the king and have my own way, and you know, just tribe. It's time. It's, tri- it's time for us to occupy enough of under- of the understanding. It's time for the outworking of the understanding. It's time to redeem time. For many of us, it's time to redeem time because for so long we've been probably part of the Jesus Christ Commission tribe. Let's be honest. You know, you've wrong thinking and wrong believing. But then this church is here so that we can have the right believing and right thinking. And honestly, I, I'm, I'm really grateful to the pastor. It's day in, day out. You're doing this work. Thank you so much for the affirmations, for the guidance to so many people insisting that they see the truth and worth of themselves so that they can stand as vessels to receive. No, not even to receive. Who are, who are full of the spirit of God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You guys don't know. Imagine if I tried to give you this and you were all empty vessels. You would go again and build like Haman. But because of the foundation that is set continually, understanding, you are sons. You are better than Daniel. You are better than Esther. You are better than David. You are better than all the people we could think about. Like, they are the least of them. Greatest was John the Baptist and John the Baptist was the least you're in a dispensation where there's nothing higher than you, guys. There's nothing higher than you. Nobody accuses you. And if anybody did, God isn't even listening. Nobody accuses you. Will you take the shackles off yourself? Will you break forth on the left and on the right? Will you give yourself permission to emerge and let the kingdom of God indeed be? be the kingdom of men become the kingdoms of God? It's time, tribe. It's time. Please come right as we pray. You are fit for purpose. You are fit for purpose. You are fit for purpose. And so I'd like for you to pray for yourself. Um, The truth is nobody can stop you unless you stop yourself. Nobody can stop you unless you stop yourself. Pray for yourself. I'd like for us to all pray for ourselves. I pray for myself as well because some days, yo, I'm in Jesus Christ's commission group. But can we pray that truly our hearts align with God? Not in understanding who we are, but understanding how much is available for us to become all that he's called us to be. 
that truly we are sons, we are salt, and that we are light. Pray for the opening of your mind. Pray for the opening of your heart and your understanding. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.